his social life. It's the Tabin Show. The Tabin Show. Don't ask if he's single. You already know. Cause it's the Tabin Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Tabin Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tabin Show. I have a very special and unique guest for you guys this week. Uh, I uh, I actually I met him in person for the first time in Reno. I've been working with this guy for a while. Uh, he is a uh, a personal trainer, and uh, he has worked with some people that you may know if you're a, if you're a fan of like Kevin Martin. Uh, Kevin lived with uh, with Jamie Staples, who did a uh, a a uh, a bet. Uh, a very a big bet that I'm sure we'll be talking about. This guy helped him uh, achieve that bet. He's also been helping me with my fitness goals for a while. Uh, it's Mike Vacanti, the personal trainer. How are you doing, Mike? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be talking to you. This is, uh, I, you know, who knows who knows how many people uh, you know want to hear from a, from a personal trainer. But I know I would like to hear from a personal trainer. Um, and you're a very interesting guy, and you have a lot of interesting stories to tell. So I hope that uh, I hope that people want to check this out. I'm excited. I'm excited to to help the people out with fitness stuff to the extent I can and just talk with you. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, I just like um, I've told this story a couple of times just because it's like a weird coincidence. But like the I, f- I just found you online uh, because, you know, after I uh, quit my job and I moved um I was, it was like everything had changed in my, my workout routines and my nutrition. I was just like, I need, I just like, it would be nice if I just had somebody to just like do this for me so that I can get back into a, a routine and like really just like somebody who's knowledgeable who can like be like, no, no, don't worry. We're on the right track. Uh, so I don't doubt myself. Um, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I, I reached out, I, I searched, uh, for a while. I found, uh, you, you, you seemed like a smart guy. Um, uh, I did, I did a lot of research um and uh, ended up finding mike vacanti reached out we started working with each other and then you know months and months later uh i'm like okay so here's here's one of the big challenges i'm gonna be going to reno nevada for this event um and this is when i always mess up this is when i'm traveling and you were like oh weird i'm gonna be in reno <laughs> i was yes. like well what a coincidence um and then even after that i still didn't like look into it uh and then out of nowhere i see i think like john party retweeted uh jamie staples or, or something along those lines and uh and i i know i knew of jamie from kevin and uh they made this this bet the ultimate sweat uh where jamie and his brother um were bet $150,000 to get to the same weight jamie started at 300 and something yep. was it 305 305 and his brother was at 130 something 135 yes there you go uh and so uh i knew about i knew about the fact that jamie was losing a bunch of weight i'd seen the pictures and all that uh and i had no idea that it was my trainer that was working with these guys and that's why you're gonna be in reno it's a small world it's a small world yeah it's it's crazy um so uh first of all uh Tell me about this this bet and uh, and like how you got involved in all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So Jamie and I had gone back and forth a little bit online via email, um, probably a year before the start of the bet about his weight, about potentially working together with online coaching, about just kind of giving him advice on fat loss and and going back and forth with where he was at and his 
goals and what he wanted to accomplish. And uh, it didn't make sense for him at the time. Um, a year later, this bet came to be. And basically, as soon as Bill made the bet, Jamie and Matt accepted. Uh, Jamie and Matt kind of went back to reality. They were down in the, the Virgin Islands when they made the bet. Uh, they went back to their life and they were like, okay, we need to find someone to help us through this process. Jamie reached out to me and was like, hey, we got this bet. I need to lose a ton of weight. My brother needs to bulk and put on as much muscle as possible. We have to weigh the exact same amount at the exact time a year from now. Like, do you think you can help us? And uh, I, I used to play poker, like recreationally still do, and played pretty seriously for a few years and like really liked the poker community and obviously knew these guys through that. And I was ecstatic for the opportunity. So, um that's how I got involved with those guys. Yes, and uh, Jamie used to live with Kevin in, I believe they called it the stream house, uh, where they'd stream uh, themselves playing poker on Twitch. Um, and and that's how I knew of of Jamie. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so the and like to just explain how the the bet came along because anybody that's not a, a poker player in particular or doesn't know of these people probably wh- wh- who bets somebody of $150,000 for this like what what is going on here yeah right so so bill perkins had the other side of the bet um and he's a billionaire or like if not very close to a billionaire who made money trading energy i believe um but poker is just a hobby of his and uh and he likes to gamble. He likes to have fun. He's a big personality. Uh, he does a lot of work with charities. He's a, a really good and cool person. Um, and so they were they were down on his yacht streaming poker on Twitch. There were five or six poker streamers down there, including Matt and Jamie and Bill and a few others. And I think someone said in the chat, like, what are the odds Jamie and Matt can hit the same weight in one year and someone threw out 50 to one and, uh, and, or maybe Bill said 50 to one. I don't remember exactly, but he's known for these prop bets. Like Bill has made outrageous weight loss bets. Um, you know, swim a certain distance, uh, just like bets that, that are, are fun and that, uh, oftentimes, really benefit someone in the bet. Like in this example, giving Jamie the opportunity to be incentivized by money to lose what ended up being 117 pounds in one year and, uh, and then hopefully keep that weight off. Um, I think that was like part of the incentive at least for him. And so 50 to one got thrown out. Jamie and Matt were like, what can, how much can we put on it? Bill said $3,000 to 150,000. Jamie turned to Matt and said, we have to take this. Matt's like, okay. They booked it right there on the spot. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, so uh, they ended up calling it the ultimate sweat, uh, and uh, they they got you on board. And uh, uh, people, you should like uh, if you're listening right now and you have the ability, just just Google it. Google Jamie Staples, uh, Jamie and Matt Staples. Um, you can see the the pictures. Um, you guys made it all the way. You did the final weigh in at. Uh, at the run it up Reno or right before the run it up Reno event um, happened and uh, and you guys managed it it was 180 something 188.3 was where they ended up weighing in yeah like they both just destroyed it for an entire year Jamie lost like I said 116 117 pounds 
Matt gained probably 18, 19 pounds of muscle and then another 35-ish in body fat, which we kind of knew had to happen for him to get to that weight where they had a chance to win. Um, and yeah, we weighed in March 25th and uh, they were both at exactly 188.3 pounds. So they won the $150,000 and now they actually have a second bet with Bill to get under 10% body fat by March 25th of 2019 <laughs> with, uh, with the chance to win another $150,000. So they're still going. Um, Matt hit the ground running like the very next day. He was just sick of, you know, when you're, when you're bulking and force feeding food in a situation like that, he was dying to get the opportunity to cut. So he started hitting the ground running the next day with his fat loss phase. Jamie is now in you know, he took two weeks of kind of vacation after losing all that weight. And now he's on a five day a week muscle gain plus fat loss program. So they're both continuing to kill it. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, at that point, uh, a lot of people were like, all right, what billionaire can fund my uh, fitness? Goals? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like no, it's not even it's not even enough to to stop at uh, like uh, you know getting to the same way. Now you also have to get like shredded uh, together, um, and we'll, I'll pay for that too. Yeah, keep pushing it. Although yeah. this one, um, you know, the odds are a little more reasonable. Matt mm -hmm. and Jamie had to put up fifty thousand at three to one odds to win one hundred fifty thousand, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's another it's another tough bet. Yeah, and I assume they consulted with you first. Like, uh, is this doable? Yeah, yeah. We we had those conversations when when there were talks of a second bet being made, and I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge, particularly for Jamie. But it's it's certainly doable. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, again, I, I highly recommend you check out the story. It was it was interesting, you know, uh, getting there uh, in Reno and like there were like news outlets coming to to uh, do interviews about this story. Like uh, it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, very, very impressive. <laughs> All right. So uh, how did you get involved in fitness in the first place? Is it just something that you've always been into? Yeah, it it was the thing that I was most passionate about since I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. I played hockey growing up and wasn't the most talented player on the ice. So as soon as I kind of like hit that age where you can start lifting weights, eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, it coincided with me not being very good at hockey, but wanting to continue to play, um, aiming to make the high school team and, and go as far as I could. So that's what initially got me into strength training. And uh, I just loved it. It was it was like an outlet for me. It was like therapy for me. I sometimes didn't want to work out and oftentimes didn't want to work out, but always felt better after working out. And just like around 10th grade, 11th grade, started playing with nutrition on my own and losing body fat and realizing like I'm in control based on my workouts and my diet to change how I look, to get leaner, to have abs, to build more muscle. And, uh, and that was really fascinating for me and probably, um, not probably definitely led to be to me being more confident in myself and just liking myself more uh, through that process. 
um, went to university. I got a business degree because that's what I felt like was the smart and secure and safe thing to do. It overlapped with my strengths. And, uh, and so I got an accounting master's and through that process was still like, like my elective science courses that I had to take to get into the business school were both nutrition courses. Um, I got more into the like blogs and, uh, the online forums and just like really drilling down on both training and nutrition stuff in university. And so while at the time I never considered it a career path because I didn't, I just didn't see myself being a personal trainer, um, when I was 19, 20, 21. So I got this business degree. I started working at a big four accounting firm. I was auditing public companies. I hated every day of my work, like since day one. And, uh, so I put in two years there and then about six years ago now, I quit my job and started my fitness blog, started training clients in the gym, moved to New York City for a, a fitness internship and um, got a job here working 30 hours a week, training clients on the gym floor, built up my online business at the same time and haven't looked back since. There you go. Well, was your was your family into fitness at all? Like, did did you get any of that from your parents at all? Or my not like the bodybuilding culture, or necessarily like the caring about uh, body composition or how you look or anything like that. But my dad was was supportive for strength and performance when I was in eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade. Um, out doing like various plyometric activities, shooting pucks in the backyard, uh, stretching, um, starting out on some weightlifting stuff. So they weren't like, they weren't gung ho weightlifters themselves, but he definitely supported me in that, uh, kind of step to get better at hockey. Yeah. Cause I, like, I know for me, I didn't, I, I didn't get into fitness at all until, college i played sports i was i was in cross country and all, all that stuff um but i uh, like i remember being very frustrated in college when i learned that like oh calories in in calories uh, like it's how simple it was like i grew yeah. i remember like i grew up thinking like in my head i remember like the knowledge that i had of dieting was like oh yeah dieting is really hard and it's all about just like I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't realize that it is was something that I could control or that I could work on. Really, I knew that. Like, oh, I'm sure that there's some kind of. I, I could try to quote unquote eat healthy and eat more vegetables, uh, and that would probably make me skinnier or something. And I could probably work out more, and that would make me more fit. But like, it's very like an, a very nebulous concept. And uh, and like like my family was you know has has never been uh, have never been people that have been like working out or anything. Um, so I I just like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still annoyed that like, I didn't get into it so much earlier <laughs> because like it's, if I had known it, if it's so in, in my, in my wheelhouse of like, it's just numbers and, and like routines. And, uh, mm -hmm. if, if I had known, I, I could have had so much more of a head start. Take X action, get Y result. And exactly. if, if you want to modify, you change the input and then the output changes. Yeah. But dude, you're young. Like <laughs> so many people don't realize, like there are a lot of people, my dad, for example, in his own fitness journey, like he didn't start lifting weights to lose fat and be healthier until he was 55 years old. 
and he went from 230 pounds to 190 pounds in a year. And now he goes to the gym between four and seven days a week, like not always doing intense workouts, but always going and doing something. And it's just, it's consistent habit for him, but that's start like literally starting at 55. So I get what you're saying and I empathize because like (laughs) if I would have just known, but like, what if you wouldn't have known for another 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. And it like for me, it was, you know, I went to Europe uh, for a semester in college. And like, I saw a dramatic change in my body because I was walking everywhere. And I wasn't eating as much. um, Because it was all this new food that I was like, didn't didn't like some of it. So I wasn't eating as much. and I was walking so much more. And then I got home. And I quickly gained it all back. And I was like, wait a minute, like my body is actually responding to what I'm doing i didn't realize like it's so it's so dumb to like think like i can't believe i didn't realize that but i didn't i really it felt like your body is your body and you you can't really change that yeah you don't know what you don't know yeah right like until until you did something that kind of changed your shifted your perspective there Mm mm-hmm yeah. Uh, so you uh, you really like got into this through hockey that we have you always been into hockey? Yeah, I, I played, you know, I played seriously from the time I was seven years old until my senior year of high school. I, I didn't play at university or anything like that. But um, yeah, that was the thing I enjoyed kind of most growing up. Were you like really into like watching sports and stuff? Um. Yeah, when I was younger, I definitely really enjoyed watching the NHL and professional hockey. When you were in school and like you were experimenting with this stuff, did you feel like you were doing that on your own or was that were you a part of like was the team doing it or like what what was going on there? It it was more on my own. Um You know what? That's not true. The the nutrition was on my own, but the the training was involved with the team because both in season and in the off season, uh, especially as I got older, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, we did work out as a team. And so having that support and, and that guidance and instruction was really helpful. We actually, my high school had beginner weightlifting, intermediate weightlifting, advanced weightlifting as elective courses too. Um, and so having that guidance on how to, like how to train with a barbell, how to do dumbbell exercises, how to use this machine and this machine and this machine and having that instruction at that age where like you're very impressionable in forming habits. Uh, I probably underrate the importance of that experience on making fitness stick as a habit um, growing up. But the, on the nutrition side, most of my friends, I like basically just ate like crap. And, and didn't care that much about how they looked or just were so active that it didn't matter what they were doing. So active and growing just at that mm-hmm. age that it didn't really matter what they were doing with their diets. They were going to be fine. Whereas I w- would have described my younger self as more of a skinny fat, like didn't really have muscle, but kind of had a little pudge around the stomach and didn't really like that. Like I wanted bigger muscles and I wanted less fat. So I, I remember doing all kinds of dumb, inadvisable nutrition strategies when I was younger, like 
all my friends at a, at a poker tournament on a Friday night, my sophomore year of high school were eating pizza and Cheetos. And I was literally only eating canned tuna for a period of time. Like, because I thought I read something in a magazine, that that's how it was done. And like, Oh, after 10 days of that, I realized that wasn't sustainable. And then maybe you add in some other foods and just trial and error really on the nutrition side when I was younger. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this, uh, I, I had no idea canned tuna was a thing that, <laughs> that people ate uh, only. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, <laughs> only. That's <laughs> I, most people probably don't, and and none should. But well, I imagine, like, I, like uh, thinking back to when I was a kid, like, I feel like there was less information out there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, even like 10 years ago than there is now. Um, and, you know, thinking about where I would have gotten information, it probably would have been like random fitness magazines with total nonsense uh, theories. Absolutely. Absolutely. 10 or even 10 plus years ago. Like if you think pre consistently using the Internet, um, you, you just weren't looking stuff up like that right? Like the men's fitness or men's health magazine at the checkout counter was much more prevalent than I have all the information in the world in my pocket. So I'm just going to look that up and Google is going to serve me up the, the eight best results for that question on page number one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how did you, you know, you said you, you went to school for, uh, to get a business degree. Uh, is that sort of always where you had seen yourself going when you were in school or, you know, did you have an, an idea of like what you wanted to do or be? No. Yeah. <laughs> I really, like I struggle with, with having a vision and, and seeing my future in general, even now at age 31. And I definitely struggled with it back then. I just knew that I wasn't going to be an accountant. Like we had the opportunity to do an internship my fourth year of university. And I did. And even though I took the full-time offer, I knew like, this isn't what I want to do. I just didn't see any other options. Like when you go to school, you get a degree and you get a job offer for that degree you take the job offer. Like that's what society tells you to do. That's what like a a person who isn't crazy does. And so that's what I did, even though I knew that's not what I wanted to be doing long term. But no, I, I didn't know. I didn't even know it was a possibility to be making content, um, at that time in 2010, 2011, when I was really starting to see it, uh, it was a blog, right? Because I saw other personal trainers who wrote articles about common fitness questions or discussions that would come up in the gym with clients, but then put it online for many people to see. I didn't even realize that was a thing until, yeah, like late 2010, 2011. So no, I I didn't see myself, I didn't see myself being an accountant, but I also didn't see myself really doing anything. Yeah, well, I I think you know the the business degree is kind of like one of the defaults if you're not sure yeah, where else yeah. to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Keep your options open. Yeah. <laughs> so you you uh, you go to school. Um, did did you like? Did you enjoy your time in in, uh, in university? I did. I I did. I liked it a lot. Like I had uh, good friends there that I enjoyed spending time with. I actually liked a lot of my classes. Like, even though I didn't like the application of classes to, um, work, I did like the classes themselves. I was also given the opportunity to teach a class in my, my fifth year, my master's year, which, uh, 
I really, really enjoyed and can now see a lot of parallels between coaching and teaching. Um, and so that was an experience that I would describe as invaluable. Uh, so yeah, like if I could do it all over again, I don't know what I would have done differently. I, I just can't see myself as an 18 year old, 18 slash 19, when you have to pick a major, which is insane by mm -hmm. the way, because who knows what they want to do for the rest of their life when they're 18, 19. But I just can't see myself making that kind of aggressive turn to kinesiology or exercise science that would, um, kind of narrow my options for career choice at that time. Yeah. I mean, uh, imagine if, if I had been like at, at 18, like, no, I'm a podcaster guys. That's, that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. Right, Go to podcasting right. school. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Right? Yeah. Was, he had a vision from when he was a child. He always, he always, you know, they're they like, oh, they, you know, he was always destined to be an actor because he was always putting on a performance. Oh, well, no, this, he was always talking to himself uh, in a microphone um, as a child. That's yeah. probably, it's probably going to happen in the future. Probably. But, but just having the ability to, to change not only pragmatically and practically, but in your own mind and not limiting yourself to uh, a certain job or a certain type of job, I think is, is important because it's just too young to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. So you, you very much were, and maybe still are just of the life approach of like, let's just see, see what happens. Like we'll put ourselves in a good spot to, uh, to be able to maneuver wherever the opportunities take us. But for the most part, we're just going to keep on keeping on for myself. Definitely. Um, there are other people who I, I see that seem to know themselves incredibly well and seem to know exactly what they want to do. And they, and they chase that and they follow that down. I wish I was more like that. I admire that. And if someone is like that, amazing. But for myself, um, yeah, I, I seem to do better not fully committing, if that makes sense. But although at, at, at this point, a lot of I, I hear a lot of personal trainers who kind of get burnt out and get to the point where they're like, I don't want to be a personal trainer forever. I want to do something else in the future. I don't I want to get out of fitness like fitness is boring. I don't feel like that at all. Like I still enjoy what I'm doing as much as I enjoyed it six years ago. Um, so maybe it just took me longer to find it. I don't know. We'll see in, in five or 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do feel like it's interesting. Like a lot of the people I've talked to on this podcast, they often, you know, and, and I, I hate to like categorize people, but like, I feel like there's usually a distinct difference between there are people who are very driven toward one particular goal. Like, um, you know, I, I talked to, um, like, like, like Eric Stein might be a good example. I know you don't know uh, these people, but for the listeners, mm -hmm. um, like Eric Stein talked about, like, he always knew, no, I'm different. I march by the beat of my own drum. I have my own idea of like, I'm going to work in television. I'm going to do this. And like every step of the way has just been one you know, one leap or another toward that direction. And then, you know, I also talk to people, uh, and I think I am one of these people as well, where it's just like, no, no, we just like kind of enjoy life and kind of let opportunities come and, you know, try to figure out what, what the best option is as we go. Um, it's just very, it's very interesting. Like the, the different, like, I feel like you ultimately end up taking the same paths and I don't think there's anything wrong with either one. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see the different, uh, you know, perspectives on, on life in that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of that just seems, seems like a person's ability to know or see themselves doing something in the future versus not being able to see themselves doing that. Yeah. Like, like, like how so? Like at a young age, being able to know that you want to be on TV and working towards that. I don't think that's like, like, I don't think you can just tell a kid who can't see his future clearly, Hey, try harder to see your future clearly. And they're just going to see it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's, I, there's just something because I, I really genuinely don't think there's one, like one method is better than the other because like, uh, I feel like I've ended up doing something that I really love and enjoy. And I never would have seen myself in mate. Like, I feel like for me, if I had been focused and driven, like, because when I was, when I was 18, uh, going into college, I was like, I want to be a writer because I love stories and I love watching things. I want to write movies. Like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I had been like singularly focused on that, maybe I'd be a writer in Hollywood right now. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I didn't enjoy. I, like I like I did, it just it wasn't it wasn't the right fit for me. And so like I went to college. And I was like, nah, I don't like writing. I like editing. So then I was, then I was an editor, but so then I was an editor out of of college, but it it wasn't just an editor. I was also a video producer. Like all of a sudden I was making videos for companies. And then, uh, like this weird thing that I'd been doing my whole life, watching big brother, uh, turned into (laughs) podcasting about big brother. And now I'm interviewing my personal trainer on my podcast. Like it was like, uh, yeah, I never could have guessed that, uh, that this was the path. Um, and but and but meanwhile, like Eric, who was like, I want to work in television, uh, like got on Big Brother, you know, and and just continued to work. He now is like pitching reality shows for for networks, and like like he's just been focused on that goal, and he is uh, you know doing doing his thing, and that's what makes him happy, and it's just uh, it's interesting stuff. Absolutely, yeah. So you end up uh, you know taking the the job in, in accounting. Was that? Mm-hmm. So, um, tell me like, what was the process like to say, all right, I'm going to make the leap. I'm going to leave the security of this job and move into, uh, something else. Like, uh, because I can obviously, uh, relate a lot to making that decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm like by temperament, I'm fairly neurotic and like want security. That's just like my personality and how I'm made up. So, uh, on the personal finance side, wanting to have a certain amount of money saved up before I quit my job was something that was important to me. Um, there was also a piece of me that was hedging that wanted to get a full two years of work in because for whatever reason in my mind, I thought that looked better on a resume if I had to go back to that type of work, not necessarily accounting, but just, uh, a corporate job in general. Um, so those were a couple of things that were playing in my mind. Um, I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do when I quit. I, I thought I had a few fitness ideas, but I wasn't even positive it was in fitness, um, which is something that I think a lot of people are surprised by because I, I quit without knowing what was coming next. And I only did it because I disliked every single day of the work so much. And it wasn't even like I had a lot of coworkers that – that I liked and that I got along with at work and outside of work. And, uh, it it was just the type of work and the, the 
corporate culture and kind of how you had to behave um, and interact with other people. It was very stuffy. It was very uh, rewards weren't necessarily aligned with output and how you performed, which I didn't like. There was some politics, which um, I'm terrible at, which is why you will never see me on, on any of these shows. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was I was thinking about saving up as much money as I could so that I could take a proper like two year shot at something. If I had 24 months worth of monthly nut set aside so that I could try something, whatever it was. And if I failed, so be it. I'll, I'll go back to a more secure job. But I knew that if I looked back on my life, I was 23 years old at the time. If I looked back on my life when I was 60, 70, 80, and I just played this safe route out, I know for a fact that I would have regretted not trying something. And so most of those two years of work were around getting myself financially and kind of in a mindset way ready to take a shot at wherever my intuition led me. And for the first six weeks after quitting my job, like I didn't do anything. I, I was just, I was, I got out of my apartment lease. I moved back home with my parents. Uh, I woke up anxious every day. I was just consuming way too much caffeine. I literally didn't know what to do to start a business quote unquote, cause I didn't know what kind of business I want to start. So I would just go to the gym for two or three hours because it was the one place where I felt like I was being productive and then go back home and slug more caffeine and read books about being an entrepreneur and really like was just lost. Um, and uh, yeah, at, at, at some point I, I started writing, which helped me more formally clarify my thoughts and then got my blog up and started publishing what I was writing and then realized that if I wanted to be talking about fitness, that I needed more experience training a wider, uh, like a more diverse population of clients in person. Because at that time I could have gotten another me in shape, but I couldn't have gotten a 47 year old woman like who had knee pain. I couldn't have properly helped her at the time. So, so that's kind of where I knew that in tandem with putting out content around fitness, I started training clients in person. So like you mentioned, you know, you were kind of nervous when you first started in those first six weeks. Like when did you feel like you were starting to gain momentum? You started to feel a little more comfortable with the fact that you were not working. Like, was there any, ever any anxiety? Like there is a, a time limit here. I've, I've got myself a certain amount of time and I've got to make sure I hit my goal before then. So I, I started feeling slightly more confident when I got the internship in New York with John Romanello, who's a New York Times bestselling author, uh, was a personal trainer and, and now does other um, fitness things online, does some business coaching online. But when I, when I got this internship with him and started learning from him and then realized through his approval and through him giving me more tasks and more responsibility and kind of taking me under his wing, like that, that's ramped up my confidence significantly. Just having someone who was in a position he was approving of my work. Um, and also the fact that he wanted and needed me to be helping him with his business, not needed, that, that he was giving me the opportunity to help him with his business showed me that I could be an asset. And um, so through my first few months of working with him, uh, a lot of 
my terror and anxiety at like, oh my gosh, did I make a giant mistake started to, to fade. What was the aspect of the work that became successful enough for you that you were like, okay, this is really like the, um, the, the, the path forward. I don't know if there was a, like a moment or a specific, um, thing. Uh, when I started putting content out and people I didn't know, like for the first, however many months, no one read my blog. It was like, it was like seven views per day. And they were definitely friends and family from my personal Facebook page. Um, when strangers started to leave comments, when page views started to increase, when kind of the feedback of the market was, um, this is like, this is good content that slowly started to give me that confidence. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you ended up, um, like, what would you say, like, uh, your main, you started working at a gym, you were interning with, uh, this guy, like, what was your main source of like, like income at that point? Um, at that time it was money from training clients in person. Although it was pretty scattered. Like I, I had a couple online coaching clients. I had, yeah, the majority of my income was in-person training at that time. All right. So then you eventually end up uh, just continuing to work. And then uh, would you say that like uh, you eventually started training Gary V? I know mm -hmm. that. Uh, was that a, like, did that come soon after that? Or was that a little bit later? That was a little bit later. So I interned and worked for Roman for a year. Um, I was training clients in person for most of that time as my online business began to grow to the point where, uh, that alone could support me. I started to cut back on my in-person training hours and was more like 10 to 15 hours a week in person coaching and then spending more time on my online business. Um, and then it was probably, well, I don't have to say probably it was two and a half, uh, over two years after I started fitness as my full-time job that the Gary V offer came into the picture, which was train him every single day in person, travel where he goes, take care of his nutrition, hang out in his office, like make sure his food is on point, make sure he's drinking water, make sure when like the team has muffins for breakfast that I am literally sitting outside of the office, making sure he's not eating a muffin, like literally babysit him. Um, yeah, that, that started in July of 2014. And, uh, and I did that for two years. So through that process, part of the deal with him was you need to be where I am every single day of the week. And so, and, and like, I might have to switch from a 6am workout to a, to a 4pm workout. Like basically I'm your only in-person client. You have to drop your other in-person clients if you want this opportunity, which, which was hard for me. Like part of it from a committing to two years point of view, but also because I was in a position where I was really happy with how things were going, but, uh, I couldn't pass on that opportunity and yeah, started with him July of 2014. It's it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast where uh, they were talking about um, Jeff Bezos, uh, the Amazon guy, mm -hmm. and they're like, "That guy's like he's buff. Like uh, he probably has like a, a trainer that just lifts his arms for him." Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? I've seen there were a couple of funny memes floating around a while back. One was like 
a Bezos and one was an Elon Musk 1999 versus present day, which which were both pretty funny. Yeah. So so how like what what happened when the offer came in? Like, how did it how did he find you? Like what happened when he reached out? So I I started training Gary through Roman. So who I was interning for. John had moved to Los Angeles. He was Gary's previous personal trainer. Um, Gary reached out to Roman and said, hey, I'm looking to get back into things. Roman said, I got the perfect guy for you, my guy Mike. He's living in the city. He's perfect. You guys will hit it off. I started training Gary just in a normal, like, in-person, cl- in-person trainer-to-client arrangement where I would go up to his apartment, you know, probably once or twice a week, if that, to be honest. Uh and that lasted a few weeks before he had a knee injury playing basketball and was basically like, okay, like I'm done working with you for now. Like, you know, we'll, we'll ramp this up whenever. Um, a few months after that, he, he came to the personal realization that he needed to treat his fitness like he treated other aspects of his life, which was hire a full-time employee to outsource it to. And he made that decision reached out to both John and I to see if we had any recommendations for who would be a good person for that role. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, and just to, to set up for anyone that doesn't know, uh, can you just explain like who Gary V is? And yeah, yeah. So Gary Vaynerchuk is, uh, the CEO of, uh, of a modern day. Like if you think of ad agencies and in the show, mad men, basically that except for primarily social media. So it's, I don't even know at this point, eight or 900 employee, um, ad agency offices, like eight or nine offices worldwide based mainly here in New York city. And then he runs his own content. Um, he has a team of, it's now 20 individuals doing like video, audio, um, you know, graphics, uh, writers, strategy, business development, literally all dedicated to the Gary V brand, which is his podcast, his daily vlog, his, um, his Instagram, his, his everything on basically, basically social media, but where people are paying attention online. And, uh, so that occupies a good amount of his time. Um, yeah. So what, what, what was it like, essentially like shadowing this guy and, and helping him with fitness like 24 seven, essentially. Uh, I mean, he's a beast. He just, <laughs> he just goes nonstop, like nothing I've ever seen. I was obviously in his calendar because workout times would change. I needed to know where he was. If he was eating dinner at a specific restaurant, I had to look at that menu and figure out what he should be ordering. And then I would plug in what he should order in his calendar. And then like at times go show up at the restaurant and make sure he was actually eating what I told him to eat. Like really like, like this is the level of accountability that he wanted for me in that position. Um, but he's, yeah, if you know who he is, he is how he is in his content. Like some people are different online than they are in real life. He's not, he's very much like what you see is what you get. Um, the dude's a machine. He works nonstop. I remember trying to mirror his work ethic was, which was a really bad idea because I'm not built like that. And, uh, and I burn out and, and I just don't have a desire to work. 
16 to 17 hours a day, five days a week. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Like he's so, he's such a positive and optimistic and encouraging and uplifting person too that, and I didn't realize this during the process, but, uh, spending so much time with someone who has that, those personality attributes was so beneficial for me and rubbed off on me so much. Um, and just instilled confidence and work ethic and, and positivity in these like basically high energy, good traits in me from being around him. And which was also obvious when I stopped training him because I then noticed the absence of that. Um, it's, it's really just the, the, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. When you spend time with people who are like that, you're going to benefit from it. Yeah, you know, they they have those studies like uh the people the people that you surround yourself uh are like one self with are like the major factor in your personal level of happiness is like are they positive uh supportive people or are they not uh it's like a, it's a huge swing. Absolutely. It yeah. it seriously is. And it's not only the people you hang out with in real life, but it's people online. It's it's like two-way conversations online like you and I are having right now. It's one-way online, the type of content you're consuming. Like if I want to consume good informational or good positive or good uplifting content on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, I know where to go to get that. If I want to go somewhere to like watch people argue or, or see like drama, I also know where to go for that. And like, like clickbait can get me there. And based on which of those routes I take, there's an impact in my mood, which kind of changes my level of productivity or my output or how I treat other people. Like, yeah. So it's not just the five people. I mean, it is the people in person for sure, but it's also just everything that you're taking in. Yeah. That's, that's a good point too. Like, uh, you know, the, the not only the people you interact with online but the content you consume um and like immerse yourself with uh you're not immune to it and um i you know i think we sometimes see that with the uh the big brother uh fan base <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean and and you know i you obviously have a way better feel on the pulse of that than i do but on so many fan bases and in so many places mm. there's just like a lot of uh you know, there's a lot of arguing on the internet, we'll say. Yeah, yeah there is. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, I, I, you know, people, uh, people often like rag on people who, uh, will like just block people all the time mm -hmm. on, but like, uh, you know, if, if they don't want to deal with negativity, I like, I don't have a, I don't block people myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, uh, I think it's totally understandable. Like if you're just, if like, if you are somebody who came off of a show or you have a, a large following and you, you have somebody that's just like always negative, then, uh, why would you even let yourself see that? Because it doesn't matter how strong you are. Like it's going to impact you on some level. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. Well, and now you're talking like getting into this, um, one to many or basically like call it celebrity, call it micro celebrity, but having a lot of attention on you online. Like I would imagine the winners or, or really anyone who, uh, competes on these shows does have. And like, 
you can't really prepare. I mean, maybe you can, I don't know how, but you don't really get fully prepared for that experience when you go on these shows. It's just something you end up having to deal with. And if you don't want to see a lot of that negativity, blocking is definitely a strategy. Yeah, it well, it's 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 a common theme on this podcast is like the the damage that it can do to be on these shows and then come off and have all these people, especially Big Brother, because on Big Brother, you there's live feed. So people are watching you like for three months, like nonstop, and they feel like they know you. They're so invested in you. Um, And uh, and they're like, you know, they're mad at you for not still being in a fight with the person that was mean to you on the show. And you're like, well, we're friends now. Like, we're fine. And they're like, no, they're terrible. <laughs> or, or, you know, I, uh, one of the winners, um, who came off a couple of years ago, uh, I talked to and he was like, yeah, they're like, they found out like what car I drive and they're making fun, making fun of my car. Like, uh, and it's just like, it's a weird invasion of privacy. And, and one of the guys I podcasted with who was on the Canadian version was just like, I, I'm out like uh, I'm just going to go back to my real life and start teaching. And uh, that was um, easily the healthiest decision he could have made. Like full on deleted his social media kind of thing. He's come just... close. He's he's asked us, should I delete the Twitter? And we're like, <laughs> go for it. You can always change your mind. Um, but he's he's put it on like private a few times. Um, he, he can't he can't fully, fully step out, but he's he's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Man, I'm that's something I think about often is the effect that fame and notoriety has on people and and at different levels of it too. Like um, there's yeah, it's it's crazy. You just see so much. You can't imagine what it's like until you're there. But if if you take that further and further, like the amount of hate and comments that a Justin Bieber or like a Tom Cruise or the, the type of people who literally can't open their door without flashing lights and people screaming. Like it, it's like being a circus animal. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have to imagine that at that point, like it's, it's the really famous people that still interact with people. Like uh, I interviewed, um, Grandy's not like it's crazy famous, but I interviewed uh, Hoodie Allen, who's a rapper. Um, mm-hmm. He's got like over a million followers on Twitter, and I see this guy after I interview him. Like we're following each other on Twitter now. I see this guy inter- interact with every single person that messages him on Twitter and he's like liking every single post. And when we posted the the podcast, like I'm at a point where like I just like. Like, oh, great podcast. I don't like, um, cause like, I can't really respond every week or at least I didn't think I could respond every week, but like, he's all over it. And he, like, I'm seeing him post. He like, uh, he like wished me happy birthday, uh, when it was my birth. And I was like, how do you do this? You're a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Right? I mean, he must have a system of some kind to be able to stay on the ball like that. Yeah. That's um, awesome. And to just like to to be able to maintain that level of interaction and also not get burned out on all of the, you know, weird people that you interact with. It's really cool. It's like it's a real uh, it's a real strength. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so you ended up, you know, you, you stopped. W- were you kind of like excited to end the training with Gary because it was so engulfing or were you sad to have it go or was it mixed this, that's a good question, and this, it's an interesting time to be asking me that question because um, in the last month, I've gotten back in the mix. So I stopped training him almost two years ago. 
Um, in the last month or so, I've gotten back in the mix, helping him out. Like I'm good friends with his current trainer. Uh, he still has the same CEO of his body position that he's going to have for the rest of his life. But, um, I've gotten back involved helping him out with his nutrition, uh, helping out with just like some of his family members and other people in his circle that need fitness help. Um, which has been just interesting and really fun and enjoyable for this past month. Uh, I remember when I quit, not when I quit, it was a two year deal. We kind of talked about extending a third year. I felt like I wanted to see what was next for me and didn't want to tie myself down to another year. So I said, let's find you another guy. We found him another guy who's perfect and, uh, and they continued to kill it. But I remember when I said goodbye to him and his family, like, like I had tears in my eyes. I was like second guessing if this was the right decision. Um, it was, it was similar to quitting my, no, that's not true. When I quit my accounting job, I was very happy. It was, there was still a lot of unknown and I was excited about what I was going to do, but I didn't really have any direction. I didn't have any specific plans. I didn't have a specific mountain to climb. Um, and so it was, it was weird. And like we talked about before with like having a very positive, energetic person around you consistently, like I, it definitely showed. And I missed that whether I knew at the time that I missed it or not. Um, it, it did open up opportunities to do some cool stuff. I spent the three months after I was done training him back in Minnesota, uh, getting my dad in shape. So I trained him four days a week and like now he just dominates on his own. But like he and I, you know, we're in the gym together at least a few days a week, um, getting him that jump start on his weight loss journey. Uh, I got to travel around a bit more in the last year. Obviously, I wouldn't have been able to um, do as much content and in-person work with Jamie and Matt Staples as if I was still training him, obviously. So uh, that was a cool opportunity to get to see a lot of, I mean, one, just different countries that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to travel to, but also just meeting different people that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet. Um, but yeah, stopping training him was, I think, bittersweet. And, uh, yeah, that's how I felt at the time. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about RX Bars. Now, RX Bars could not have picked a better episode to sponsor here. We're talking about fitness. We're talking about being healthy. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar made of 100% whole ingredients. They're transparent and upfront with their customers about labeling all of the core ingredients on the front of the package and the ingredients that make up the texture and the taste on the back. Back in 2013, they could not find a single protein bar out there that wasn't full of artificial ingredients, fillers, preservatives, and that general BS. That's why they set out to create a bar with few simple, clean ingredients where every ingredient serves a purpose. And guess what? Real food actually tastes good. Uh, You can taste the cocoa, the real fruit, the spices, the sea salt. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there is an RX bar for you. They have no added sugar, no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, fillers. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free. They come in 11 delicious flavor varieties. They've got those egg whites for protein, dates to bind, and nuts for texture. They are great for breakfast on the go, snack at the office, throw it in your 
bag for the plane, toss it in your backpack for a bike ride or hike, and of course, the pre or post workout snack. I was very excited when RX Bar approached me to sponsor the podcast. I had eaten RX Bars before, and they 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 genuinely are good. Uh, I I continue to love their peanut butter bars. I have incorporated them into my diet. They are great for just eating right after a workout. I love it. I genuinely, genuinely would personally recommend trying out RX Bars. So if you want 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash Taryn and enter the promo code Taryn at checkout. So seriously, check these out. You will not regret it. All right, let's get back to Mike. So, I mean, you mentioned that you, you know, you trained your dad and now he's doing, you know, better on his own. I, I, I remember, you know, I was, I, I was big into when I was learning about fitness, I was big into the fitness subreddit on Reddit. Um, and they often will say like, oh, you don't, you don't need a trainer. You're like, yeah, trainers are bad and, uh, it's a waste of money. Um, and, uh, I don't really, uh, like I remember at the time being like, okay, yeah, because what everything that these people are telling me, they know way more than I do. Um, and then eventually it was like, actually, I feel like this might actually work for me. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> Yo, but- I, I, I should clarify, sorry to interrupt. I should clarify. I still do my dad's programming. Like <laughs> he still, he still gets a new phase every, for him, it's like every six weeks, but mm. yeah, yeah. So he, he doesn't need me barking at him to be in the gym, but Every six weeks, he's like, "Oh, I was ready for a new phase. Like, I'm gonna kill this one." <laughs> but like, so, so you're you're on the subreddits, and they're like, "You don't need a trainer. You can do it on your own." And you're like, "Okay, like maybe." Yeah, well, and, and like, I, I mean, it's certainly tr- true to an extent, um, but like, uh, there are obviously a lot of benefits. So, like, how do you see, um, like, what you what you do? Like, do you, do you see it? Because I I. Um, in researching, I definitely found a lot of trainers that would be a waste of money, I think. Um, and like mm-hmm. there, are, I think there are a lot of those trainers like at gyms and like they're just going to, you know, it, they're just going to tell you anything that you could read online. And if you ask them questions, they're going to be like, uh, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so like, how, like, how do you see your job as, as somebody that's like, do you try to set people up to be as self-sufficient as possible or like, 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 how do you, how do you operate that? I do. Um, I definitely do. It depends where they're starting too, right? Like people who are starting with less knowledge are going to get closer to self-sufficient by learning the few unlocks of like, oh, uh, calorie deficit for fat loss, calorie surplus for muscle gain, getting enough protein, like what types of foods to eat, um, getting a general structure for how to program workouts, even if that doesn't include a fundamental understanding of periodization or other slightly more complicated training principles, but just like, oh, like usually start in the lower rep range and as workouts progress, like go into higher rep ranges or kind of hit each muscle group about twice per week seems to work best from a programming perspective. Um, it also depends on what the person wants because some, there are some people I would say who I coach who literally 
just want to outsource the program design so they don't have to think about it or second guess it themselves and just do it because they know if they were to do their own program design, they might be like, they might not go to the workout because they might think, Oh, maybe three days a week is better than four days a week. So I can skip this one. Like they can just rationalize with themselves, which is something I've actually, which is interesting. I've run into with myself when I have a specific goal I'll hire a coach for six months of, all right, do my programming for six months. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to give myself an excuse to like only train legs once a week, but train arms three days a week. Cause I know I'll do that. Cause I know myself, but just <laughs> putting the power in someone else's hands, which it like, it reduces the amount of, of second guessing and, uh, and just kind of program hopping that I would do on my own. But, um, yeah, if for someone who isn't the type of I just want to outsource this, if they have a specific goal, working together towards that goal, and then if they at some point in the future put fitness on the back burner and think I'm pretty good with where I'm at, I kind of want to maintain here and maybe make slow muscle gain progress, whatever it is, maybe make slow fat loss progress, or literally just I have so much going on in my life that I don't want to be focused on fitness then having them go on their own for a period of time, maybe until another like, okay, now I have time. Now summer's coming. Now I do want to dial things in for four months. Like now coaching makes more sense. There's also a completely different personality type who literally just the fact that they're paying money and have someone to, to communicate with on fitness stuff incentivizes them to work out like mm. the inverse of Jamie and Matt chasing the carrot, right. 150 K it's like, I know if I'm paying, then I'm actually going to execute, which yeah. I've had, I've had clients be like, that's a big piece of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely fall in, in the first camp, um, of like, I, yeah, I like second guess myself. Uh, and I was, I was just telling you, uh, before we started, like, uh, you know, like I start, you know, cutting down to a certain level and I'm like, Oh, now I'm feeling like small and I don't like feeling small. And then I start to second guess, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Um, and just like, having somebody that knows what they're talking about to be like, I don't know, we're, we're still on, on the right track here. Um, it's like that, that is invaluable to me. Um, but for sure there are like all kinds of different, uh, aspects to, um, you know, how people approach fitness. Um, and, uh, do you think if we weren't working together that you would have, started a bulk on your own at some point in the last few months been like okay i'm lean enough i think it's time to bulk <laughs> it's yeah and that's what i've done in the past too and like i definitely especially once i came back from reno and it was like i had to get back into uh my schedule i was like should I just bulk? <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like, should I message Mike and be like, Hey, maybe I should. And I was like, no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's weird stuff. And, and like, I'm also somebody who once I figured out and got annoyed that I didn't know this before that nobody told me, uh, about like fitness and nutrition and stuff. I was like, uh, you know, I want to get really into this and I want to like achieve uh, a goal. And so, you know, I spent, you know, a couple of years just like going back and forth and feeling like I wasn't really progressing. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's why I ended up reaching out, uh, to you. And, um, but, but like, I, I feel like there are all kinds of different approaches and different philosophies when it comes to any of it. And, you know, you read all the time, like, uh, just even just a, just like take one step and that will make a huge 
difference in your health and your well-being um so like if you could if you could inspire anyone to be like like just start, start thinking about this stuff like what would you say write down everything you eat everything you put in your mouth for 30 days whether it's water whether it's soda whether it's a vegetable whether it's a, a fun size bag of, of or a giant bag of peanut butter m&ms like whatever it is write it down write the date and write down everything you eat as you eat it like don't do it at the end of the day because you're going to forget some things. So if you want to do it on your phone, great. Um, you don't even need to track calories or macronutrients. Like literally just write down everything you're eating for 30 days and try to do more of the things that you know are good and less of the things you know are bad. Like don't try to cut out if, if you love candy. Like I know you don't, but like if someone does, like don't try to eliminate candy, but try to have less candy. And try to, if, if you barely eat vegetables, but you know they're good, eat a, a little bit more of the few vegetables that you do kind of enjoy. Like paying attention to nutrition in that kind of contextual way, in that kind of non-binary, like it isn't just black or white, good or bad, but it's, okay, I'm going to move the needle a little bit in the right direction. Um, that's the number one thing I would advise people to do. Yeah, well, because, I mean, again, I think back to, like, myself and how I just never even thought of it. And, you know, there's the, um, what do they call it, the Pomodoro technique or something, uh, where you give yourself, like, I'm going to work on something for 30 minutes, and then I'm going to take a break. But usually, by the time you're into it and you're working on it, after that 30 minutes, you don't need to take a break. If, for me, mm -hmm. at least, uh, mm -hmm. that was what happened with, like, with fitness, where I was like, the, I was like, oh, well, let's just, like, think about it. And then make just a, a tiny little baby step. And then it's like, oh, that was cool. Like we made some progress and like I feel better. And, you know, at that point you can you can make the decision like do I stop here and I feel better or do uh, do I want to continue to go along this path? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like tricking yourself a little bit to get yeah. yourself started, um, which is which is cool. Um especially like especially for somebody like me who watches big brother live feeds all summer long so <laughs> it's very necessary um and still finds time to get workouts in oh yeah oh yeah uh well you know now that i now that this is my job it's, it's a lot easier that's true that's true yeah um so i uh, Another thing, uh, I just I recently listened to a uh, a Joe Rogan podcast about sleep. Um, I also listened to that Joe you? Rogan podcast about sleep, and boy, oh boy, am I terrified! <laughs> right to, to to get less than seven hours of sleep ever for the rest of my life. <laughs> I so I also I recently started uh, finally streaming on Twitch, and um, nice. I've. I've just been like, uh, the moral of my Twitch streams is, uh, get sleep, get sleep because I was That's terrified great. about this. Interview. <laughs> um, so is, is sleep something that you've paid attention to before? Yes, it is because I, because just knowing some of the science, not, not as much of the doomsday, what happens when you don't get enough that I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Sleep diplomat is his, is Twitter. The guy that Rogan had on, I want to say Walker. Matthew, Matthew Walker, Matthew Walker. He wrote who, a book called was, why we sleep. And I, I do plan on reading it. Yeah, so do I. He was awesome to listen to on there. Um, I've paid attention to it for myself because I know its benefits, uh, on paper and because, um, 
anecdotally, I know that if I get seven to seven and a half plus, I know how I feel the next day. And if I get six or less, I know it's not going to be a good day. And I, I also know the ways to improve the chances of getting a good night's sleep versus a poor night's sleep. So for many years, I have um, it kept my apartment, I mean, except for these two weeks when the air conditioner isn't working, but I keep <laughs> my apartment in the, the low 60s Fahrenheit. I have blackout curtains, uh, like the few little lights, the, the kitchen timer and things like that on the stove. I, I have a, a cloth that I throw over, so my apartment is completely blacked out. Um, I keep it cool. I have the flux on my laptop and on my phone. I have night mode that goes on at least an hour before I'm going to go to bed. So I have all blue light blocked out. Um, I try to sleep in more reasonable hours. Um, meaning there's, there's research that shows that, that being awake when the sun is up and asleep when it's down is more beneficial than the opposite, even Mm -hmm. if you're sleeping the exact same amount. So trying to get to bed kind of for me by 11 o'clock, sometimes 1030 and getting a solid seven and a half, eight plus hours of good sleep. Um, yeah, it, it is something I pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, one of the scarier things for me, like hearing about sleep is, um, because I used to be one of the people, um, he, he talks about like, there is a gene that allows you to operate on, uh, like less amount of sleep, less Uh, than five or something. Yeah. But, if you rounded if you rounded it out to the nearest like hundredth of of a percent, the percent of people that have that gene is zero percent. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and I totally used to be one of those people that I was like, oh no no no, I've got this, I'm fine, <laughs> I can stay up all night long. Um, but the problem is that if you don't get enough sleep, you don't realize that you don't have enough. Like you don't realize the the cognitive impacts that it has on you. Um, and I before I got all my scheduling back together uh with you i was like on this weird cycle where like i was having trouble sleeping and then i'd wake up the next day and just sort of be in a trance and then have trouble sleeping again and it just like it compounds on itself Mm -hmm. um and you don't even realize that it's happening uh and it's it's scary i know man it really is it and it just it bleeds over into everything into into output into workout quality definitely into hunger like there's been plenty of research done on on overeating when sleep deprived, um, not to mention just when you're sleeping more. If someone was trying to lose body fat, there's fewer hours in the day for them to be eating things they shouldn't be eating if they're getting more sleep. Like from that perspective alone, it's beneficial for for someone's nutrition adherence. Um, yeah. He, he made a lot of really good points in that podcast, but I have, I have several friends who have said, um, no, I definitely have that gene. It's like, okay, well you can't all have that gene. I know. I was literally explaining this to uh, a friend of mine and she was like, okay, but it's like, it's 0.001 or something like that. I was like, no, no. Trying to like rationalize how she can have it. Um, yeah. And, and, but it's also like a situation where like, I realize right now that I like my current podcasting lifestyle, uh, is like, I'm very 
privileged to be able to like spend enough time like I can have a very rigid schedule and I have even though I obviously am like working a lot on podcasting stuff like the ability to not have to commute places and all of that like really helps me keep a very rigid schedule um, and it was much more difficult when I had a full-time job even though I might have had more free time uh like general free time because it's like you're at work then you're at home and that's free whereas mm-hmm. now i'm like always working but it was it was harder to like uh you know maintain the, the schedule and stuff and so like uh you know I, I guess what kind of like what kind of advice do you give to people who are like yeah it's just like it's hard because I don't have time and I get home from work and I'm exhausted. And then like, uh, then it's like, Oh, I have no time because now I've made dinner and it's like time to go to bed. But I, you know, I, I want some free time. So then I stay up later and then so on and so forth. Do your very best based on your situation is, is the only like advice I can give in that spot because like you can take things all the way to an extreme. Uh, Imagine having a few kids and, uh, having, the job opportunity that existed that paid the most that you needed to take to support your family was the third shift, which just completely screws up your like sleep cycle throw on top of that, like a sick parent or a car accident. Like there are just things that happen in people's lives that lead to them not being able to get eight hours of high quality sleep every single night. And so doing your absolute best. Um, and I think doing your best comes from, a realistic and honest self-assessment, like really auditing, spend two weeks, what am I doing every half hour of every single day and be super, super honest with yourself because you can't cut out work and you can't cut out putting the kids to bed and you can't cut out like there are certain things that are just complete non-negotiables. But if you can swap the 75 minutes of TV for 15 minutes of TV and an extra hour of sleep, like maybe there's a place where you can marginally improve. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the best I can do there. Yeah. Well, I, it sounds like, like a lot of it is, is really just like, just stop and think about it, right? Like just, just do an audit on yourself and, mm-hmm. uh, and be like, what, what can I do? And even just that process, uh, might help. Even if you have to do it a few times because you're like, you, you're like, okay, well I'll do this. And then you don't do it. And like, uh, just like even thinking about it is, is, is something right. Yeah, absolutely. And just, and not trying to, it's so hard to go from zero to a hundred, but just trying to get a little bit better every single day. Yeah. Trying to get a little bit more sleep, trying to cut out this activity that might not need to happen or reduce the amount of time you spend doing that thing. Like if, if you work to get a little bit better each day, those incremental gains are really going to add up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the, like, uh, like on the podcast, the, the Matthew was like, yeah, they're, they're thinking about, uh, labeling like night shifts as a carcinogen. Just Mm -hmm. like, like, Oh my God. Yeah, I I worked I worked night shifts at a at a production company Um, when I was graduating. I'm like, man, I um, I was really I I have a lot to make up in terms of sleep (laughs) and you can't you can't make it up. That was another one. Yeah, that's another thing you said that was so depressing. (laughs) And, And just what did he say? He said something like if you analyze what you're doing when you're sleeping from an evolutionary point of view. It's it's the dumbest and most costly waste of time ever if it mm-hmm. doesn't yield these tremendous benefits, which which it clearly does. 
I think that we should be focusing all of our scientific efforts on uh, replicating what sleep does to you without having to sleep. That'd be amazing. Right? <laughs> that'd be that'd be more hours. Yes. Of course, uh, but then we'd, we'd just like spend those hours just working more. <laughs> or consuming on Facebook and yeah. <laughs> reading, reading arguments and debates on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Deciding whether or not to block somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'd be doing. <laughs> um all right so uh like what like so as a trainer you mentioned that you sometimes hire trainers but like what what is your routine when for for fitness and and health and all that so right now i am i'm focused on feeling as good as possible and getting slightly stronger and so right now i am myself lifting weights five to six days a week for about 40 minutes per workout, including the warm up. So the workout duration is a little bit on the shorter side for me. Usually I'll do four days a week for about an hour each, but right now five to six days a week, push pull leg with one to two rest days. And, uh, I'm loosely tracking my macronutrients and calories staying in just a slight calorie surplus. So for me, that's like 2,900 to, don't get jealous, 2,900 to like <laughs> 3,100 calories a day. Um, and, and I try to get like at least one big salad per day, which has four to five servings of vegetables in there. Uh, I really like bananas. I really like raspberries, blackberries, blueberries. So I get a couple servings of fruit. Um, I would say 85% of my calories come from traditionally healthy foods. And then the other 15% are coming from pink berry frozen yogurt or, uh, you know, random, like not super healthy options. Here's a, here's a, a random, but maybe interesting question for, uh, the listeners of this podcast. But, uh, if you knew that somebody was going to go on survivor where, um, they're going to be on an Island for 39 days, they're going to have rice as their main source of, uh, food, maybe, maybe some fish if they're lucky, um, maybe some coconut. Um, how would you prepare them for that experience? Man, that's a great question that I haven't thought about. Are we assuming that um, because I haven't, I have watched some Survivor, but not in a while. Are most of the, or are at least some of the competitions physical? Yes. Like, is is being strong and and having high endurance beneficial in the game? Yeah. So uh, in the first half of the game, it's they're in tribes, and you need to prove your worth, right? Or they'll probably vote you out if you're not good enough in competition so you like you need to be if you're like a strong person if they can rely on you to like move something or lift something then you're generally going to be okay so you'd probably want that although you don't want to be like super buff because then you're way too much of a threat and they want to vote you out um and then the second uh, half of the game most of the individual competitions uh are very endurancey. so like hold this thing up and whoever lasts the longest wins. The most recent one actually was, I, I, I tweeted about it. It was, uh, they had to um, hold up this contraption just like you would do like a curl. Um, mm -hmm. And it would like hold, it held a ball up on a track against a ceiling. And then if you let go, then the ball would roll down and you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd lose. Um, so a lot of it's like balance stuff or like hold, like balance a ball in a thing. Um, so th those are the individual ones that you usually want to uh, be able to be good at those without looking like you're a monster. 
got it. So my intuition, and this is again, without thinking about this much at all, is that you, you don't want to come into things too lean, uh, just because you're going to be in such an extreme calorie deficit that you want to give yourself some fat as fuel. Um, so the training program would be build muscle plus strength plus work capacity in the as many months as you can leading up to it. So it would involve lifting weights. It would involve uh, like explosive plyometric work. It would involve um, long distance cardio. It would involve high intensity interval training and it would involve eating a ton one to support all of that work you're doing and two uh, to gain both muscle and body fat, which seems like it would be the most optimal physique going into the competition yeah well because it's interesting like there are there are people who have different philosophies like people who have gone on multiple times like i believe uh aris um who won his first season then came back for a second season said that on his first season he i think this is aris who said this uh, he like he put on some extra weight um in order to prepare then on his second season he uh went into a, a deficit to like mentally prepare himself like because mm-hmm. the first time when he went on he was like now all of a sudden i'm not eating anything and i feel mentally worse yeah yeah so. it was a re- that transition from okay i'm eating four thousand calories a day to i'm eating 700 calories a day was like whack versus yeah. already being in an extreme calorie deficit and like oh nothing changes this is just my life i'm going to continue living my life on this island that's interesting I hadn't thought about that that aspect of there's, it. There's a lot of debate back and forth. People, uh, the survivors, they uh, they're not sure what the optimal strategy is, um, or, or maybe like like strength plus muscle plus conditioning for many months, and then in the few weeks before the competition, go in a deficit and yeah. and start getting that momentum. Yeah, that's that's probably a good call. Uh, is there anything that you would say like if you are on an island, what what can you do to keep yourself mentally sharp? Uh, and like, because that's a huge aspect of the game is trying to keep yourself in check and play this social game while also feeling very irritable and hungry and tired and all that. I would be awful personally. (laughs) I would not. I mean, like I could say meditation, but I don't actually know. I just know that many, um, many people who do a really good job at accomplishing the things they want to accomplish, which are often very impressive, credit meditation for uh their ability to stay focused on tasks and uh and work long hours and keep work quality high um but yeah man i don't i don't think i'm the guy to ask for (laughs) for how to how to dominate this game when you're starving and super irritable but you gotta like play the game and put on a good face like i i'm I'm just i'm just impressed by anyone who does it successfully Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you like, you'll meet, you meet these, uh, like some of the winners and it's just like, you know, they're so approachable and like you, you can tell like, this is why these people have won this game. Like they just make you feel good. They got something. Yeah, they do. Um, all right. Uh, do you want, do you want to just like, um, you're big on macros, right? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you're a big macro guy. Um, do you want to just like briefly explain uh, the the benefits of 
paying attention to macros for anyone that's uh, curious? Definitely. And not the Excel kind of macros, but the <laughs> ma- so macronutrients are uh, macronutrients are what make up calories. There are f- technically four macronutrients. If you look at a nutrition label, protein, carbohydrates, fats, and then alcohol is technically a fourth macronutrient as opposed to micronutrients, which are made up of vitamins and minerals, which is everything else on the nutrition label. Vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K, um, sodium, like all these things are either vitamins or minerals. So proteins, carbs, and fats make up calories. I like having people who are willing to track their macronutrients because there is merit to making sure that your proteins, carbs, and fats are all in a specific range, like not on a specific number each day, but in a specific range, uh, which which has merit over just tracking calories for a number of reasons. One, like getting enough dietary fat and specifically um, omega-3 fatty acids is going to lead to better long-term health, heart health, skin nail, hair health. Um, it's just going to make you healthier. And without them in the long run, you're going to notice that deficit. Getting enough protein is necessary for a number of reasons. First, uh, a minimal amount of protein of somewhere between 0.6 and 0.8 grams per pound of body weight for building muscle. Second, if you're trying to lose body fat, getting between 0.8 to 1 gram and sometimes more of protein per pound of body weight is going to let you maintain muscle while you lose body fat. So if you're in that same calorie deficit, if you're just tracking calories but you're barely getting any protein and strength training, you're actually going to lose muscle and fat versus keeping your protein levels high enough, which is going to lead to you losing almost exclusively, if not exclusively, body fat. Um, protein is also the most satiating of the three macronutrients. So having more protein is going to let you feel full in a deficit and is going to let you, uh, basically just adhere better to the plan. And, uh, and then this is getting a little technical, but protein has a higher thermal effect, meaning when we eat food, we're actually burning calories by digesting that food. And so if you eat the same number of calories of protein, so of like a chicken breast versus the same number of calories of straight carbs, uh, a piece of fruit, for example, or the same number of calories of fat. And like there aren't that many straight fat options that you'd eat, but oil or butter, for example, you actually burn more calories through the digestion process when eating protein than either of the other two macronutrients, which is another benefit of a quote unquote high protein diet, which technically is really just somewhere around one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So for those reasons alone, tracking macronutrients has quite a bit of benefit over just tracking calories, whether your goal is to get leaner, uh, to build muscle, to get stronger, or just simply to be able to stick to your diet over a longer period of time. Cool. Uh, what, what are like the benefits that you tend to see? Like first, like if somebody, if, if we're talking about somebody who is like listening to this podcast and like, all right, let me think about trying to be a little bit healthier. Like what can they, uh, hope or expect to feel from that, uh, that attempt? It's a good question. Um, what can they, to 
feel like how do they how do they know it's making a difference how are they going to know that like it's worth it i guess it, it depends what their goals are so if their goal is fat loss um i would pay attention to waist measurements not necessarily the scale early on because the scale can be funky in the short term but if you're tracking your macronutrients and in a calorie deficit and my app, Mike's Macros, which is free, uh, sets up your calories and macronutrients based on your stats, so your height, weight, estimated body fat percentage, and goals. Um, I would expect in the first two weeks of tracking macronutrients for someone to be able to lose about an inch off their waist. And, uh, and so that's one way they can, they can see that progress is happening. Um, they should be able to feel relatively not not full, I don't want to say full, but they shouldn't feel super hungry in a calorie deficit, losing body fat, but with high enough protein. Uh, they, they should feel like, okay, this feels maintainable at least for the next few months um, is, is also something that that is, is going to lead them to know they're on the right track. If they're absolutely starving, they can't sleep. They're so hungry on the second or third night of the program. That means they're not eating enough total calories. And as a result, I would probably increase both carbohydrates and fats by, you know, 15 to 20 grams of carbs and, and six to eight grams of fat. Where, where, if people wanted to like, uh, do more research into all this stuff, like where would you point them? Um, for macronutrients specifically, I wrote a detailed blog post on the subject, which is where I would go my website, or if you just type in Mike Vacanti macros, like that article would pop up. Uh, if you read that and want to go even deeper, um, Lyle McDonald's website, uh, He's, I mean, he's just a genius. I think he has a master's in nutrition. He might be a PhD, um, but he's written a ton of like very good uh, evidence-based articles. He has several books. Like that's where I would go for even more advanced learning. Awesome. So if people want to find you, they can find you on your website. Yes, sir. And you also have a YouTube channel. You put out some videos. I make some videos from time to time. Yep. So yes. my name, Mike Vacanti on YouTube. It's good. You can, you can see the chronicle of the ultimate sweat play out. Yeah, yeah. We made a lot of vlogs over, over the course of that, which are, are a nice combination of information and entertainment. So people have really liked those videos. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's the game plan to get them at the same uh, body fat percentage? 9.9 hmm. 9 or lower. Um, Matt is just trying to lose body fat right now. Uh, he's strength training five days a week. Um, that's going to be the plan for the foreseeable future. He might be able to just quote unquote cut or be in a deficit uh, until December, January, February, somewhere in there and get to sub 10%. We may need to add cardio. We may need to um, lower his macros a bit to increase the size of the calorie deficit and help him get there faster. But right now, you know, he weighed in at 188.3 on March 25th and six weeks later, he's at like 172. So he's, he's in a good place. He's dialed. Some of that is, is water weight, obviously, but he's lost a good amount of body fat. Jamie right now is in a small calorie deficit. Um, so not as big as when he was trying to go from 305 to 188 obviously but 
He's in uh, about a 1.5 pound per week deficit where he's losing body fat and also strength training five days a week with the intention on building muscle and losing fat at the same time, which for most people isn't a great goal. It's just not super efficient. But for someone who is new to strength training or hasn't been strength training recently and is getting back into it, which is basically what Jamie is because he hasn't for the last several months of the bet, there was minimal strength training. He's going to be able to build muscle and lose fat in these first few phases. So that's where we're going. We'll reassess mid to late summer and uh, make whatever adjustments necessary to, to get them both there. All right. Uh, well, I I, uh, I highly recommend uh, the YouTube channel, the the website. All that you, you you have some great stuff. That's why I chose him as a trainer. So uh, check it, out man. check out the stuff. Uh, I hope this was uh, informative, inspiring, something along those lines. Uh, one of those things, at least, maybe interesting at best, or at least I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had fun talking. Thank you for having me on. Yes, for sure. Uh, you can subscribe uh, to this podcast on iTunes. It's The Taron Show. You can leave a review if you want, yeah, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can go to robazwebsite.com, find it there, leave a comment. You can follow me on Twitter at Armstrong Taron. Uh, Mike, uh, can they find you on Twitter? My name on Twitter. Yep. All right, Mike Vacanti. Uh, and uh, I think that's all we've got for you. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'll see you next time. Taron's asking questions. Looking deeper, that's what it's all about. It's the Tyrone Show, so you.